before leveraging no code, I didn't trust my data. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Brianna Autry, Community Lead at Adaptive Ops, and I'm joined here by Morgan Leach. Morgan, how's it going? I am great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, happy to have you. So for those who don't know, Morgan is the Senior Manager of Revenue Operations over at Tonkin. And today we're going to be talking about organizing your ops data. A couple opening remarks here for me at the top before we dig into our conversation. Next week, my co-host Sagi, founder and CEO of Tonkin, will be joined by Kevin Froschick. He's the Chief of Staff and Operations Director at Intel Corporation. So make sure you look for that episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And in addition, if you want to get in touch with any of our speakers like Morgan, Kevin, etc., just join Adaptive Ops. Go to operations.community to join, and you'll be in a group of 400-plus business operations professionals whose knowledge you can tap on a daily basis. I'm excited to be chatting with Morgan today. Morgan, I just if you want to just start us off by telling us a little bit about your background. Well, I've been at Tonkin for it'll be two years in August. Time flies when you're having fun. And I've been in the operations space for like almost 10 years now. My primary background has been sales ops, rev ops, and dabbling a little bit in uh, marketing operations. That's kind of my background and um, super excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Happy to have you. And what was your role prior to Tonkin? Where were you at? My role prior to Tonkin was still in like sales ops or ops role. I was at a, another company called Pilot. I was doing a lot of the same stuff, but just different company. Yeah. Awesome. So just to level set, what is a day in the life of your current role look like? I would say uh, from high level, my current role is encompasses a lot of different things just because revenue operations, you know, touches so many different parts of the business. And so given the nature of the role and also the fact that Tonkin is still pretty much a startup, I wear a lot of different hats, but high level, my role on a day-to-day basis, you know, I make sure that data is passing through the relevant systems correctly defining and managing processes that relate to revenue uh, in the Americas at Tonkin. A lot of collaboration cross-functionally with other leaders on business requirements, building and analyzing out, you know, KPIs and other key business metrics, proactively engaging with the sales team to address concerns, resolving issues, and then a lot of project management. So those are probably the more frequent things that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, thank you. And I know those listening in who are maybe looking to move into sales op position will find that interesting or those who are already in it. So before I continue this conversation, I do want to acknowledge that there's a live audience listening in. So thanks to everyone listening in to this conversation live or not live. We're happy to have you all. But if you are listening in live, please feel free to post any questions you have for Morgan in the chat. That's why we do these live podcast recordings so that you have access to the speaker and can ask them whatever 
questions that you have. So if you're listening in, highly encourage you to jump into the chat and we'll get to them as they as they come in. Now, Morgan, just most people listening in know what Tonkin does, but it's where you work. Uh, would you mind just telling us high level, what does Tonkin do? The way I describe it is it's a workflow automation platform that is completely 100% no code. We aim to unify data with processes and people and by orchestrating processes that are behind the scenes. So from a high level, that's that's what Tonkin does. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for that. I want to dig into our topic a little bit more now. So this is about organizing your data. And I think it's something that a lot of people across operations functions, whether or not it be revenue, um, struggle with. So I want everyone listening in to walk away today with a deeper understanding of, okay, this is how I can strategically approach this in a way that can help me get this, get all of this data organized. Because once it is organized, it's extremely powerful. So how do you approach organizing your data and, and what are some of the challenges associated with it from your perspective? For me, data organization is extremely important. And I think it really falls under the umbrella of data management because without data management, you kind of don't really have that data organization. And so when I approach you know, data organization and more specifically like data management as a whole, I always have a future state of mind approach to my methodology or process with it. And so by that, I mean like what is important to the business now and what might be important to the business later on. When I say what is important to the business, I more specifically mean what data can be used to help influence certain business decisions. And so from my perspective, the data that you have, if it's not reportable, it's going to be extremely difficult for that data to be used or be influential in a way that you might want it to be. And so, you know, being in revenue operations and as I mentioned earlier, I'm involved in so many different parts of the business. I have a very good understanding of the different systems that each department uses and how they use those systems and what processes are involved. And so when I do approach organizing data, I take a very consultative and collaborative approach. And so how can I get this data to be in the best possible state that is digestible to the necessary stakeholders? Under that, you know, some of the key things that I I pay attention to when I approach data organization is, you know, do you have the right systems to organize your data? Having the right systems that make sense for your business objectives is crucial because that ultimately is where your data is going to be stored. Unless you have some sort of BI tool like Looker or Tableau. And then secondly, in order to do that, your data needs to be clean and accurate. And so in order to prevent dirty and inaccurate data, I try to automate as much as I possibly can. And for the for the steps that you can't automate, um, try to normalize and standardize that data as much as you possibly can to prevent errors or prevent bad data. So that includes like possibly using pick lists, uh, validation rules, stuff like that. And then your data needs to be living in the right place. So is where the data being captured and stored, is that happening in the correct place? An example that I like to give people is if you think of Salesforce, 
you know, think about whether you need to be capturing information on an account versus an opportunity or vice versa. And then categorizing your data and presenting it in some sort of digestible format. So that can be, you know, bar chart, pie chart, a table, pivot table, what, however, you, you know, you want to be able to present that data. Lastly, on, on this list is a data dictionary. So making sure there's alignment on what different data points mean, not just with yourself, but across the org and, and with the people that might be interacting with that data. And then in terms of challenges that sort of come with data organization, a few that I'm sure many people on this call can probably relate to uh, is data duplication. So I think no matter what systems you have in place, you're probably always going to be dealing with some form of data duplication, whether it's at a large scale or a small scale. And then keeping your system synced. So, you know, one system might say one thing, but another system might say something completely different. Data governance. So, you know, you might be, you might not have certain processes or rules flushed out, which can definitely, definitely cause challenges, especially if you're early age or early on startup, that tends to be a pretty common scenario. And then collecting data in real time. Some processes depend on data that comes in in real time. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with certain systems and large amounts of data, that flow doesn't always happen as quickly as you would like it to. And sometimes there's just nothing you can really do about that. Uh, and then data accuracy and then I think the last one on here that I think is super important is just lack of efficient systems or automations. I really like what you said about you keep the future state in mind, and that's your approach to data management. And I also really like what you said about having a data dictionary, because I think, and I, I'm guilty of this as well, just like I'm trying to get things done. So my requests to RevOps are very like offhand and random and just like, I need this, I need that. And I think that on the RevOps end of things, it's probably difficult to manage those requests and organize them in a way that is cohesive. So mm -hmm. how do you how do you manage all those in, inbound requests and sort of make sure that everyone remains aligned on what does the data mean and how are we categorizing it? In terms of like how I manage those requests, this sounds very cliche, but Asana helps with that. It helps keep me accountable. And a lot of the times when just based on my own personal, you know, career journey and, and my experiences being in, in the operations space, when I do get requests, I try to do a really good job of basically asking how will this impact your day to day? And I also try to take a step back and realize, like, how is this going to impact the business? How is this going to impact the data points that are, are important to the business? And if it's something that kind of falls out of scope, I don't reject the request, but I try to have a conversation about it. And I try, I try to very much fully understand the ask of whatever someone is asking of me and try to really get a good understanding of how that's going to impact their day to day and the business day to day. Yeah, really helpful. Thank you. I want to talk about no code because 
Tonkin is a no-code product. That's where you work. It helps you get your data organized. So in your own words, what is no-code technology for those who aren't as familiar with the space? Yeah, well, I think in most simple terms, it's technology that you don't need to use code to build out or use. So, you know, you can build out certain things within a software interface that you do not have to be a developer to do. You don't have to go in and, you know, know the various CSS or Apex or, you know, there's various different types of code out there. JSON, you don't have to know that and you don't have to use it in order to build out what you're trying to build out in the software. In my experience, it's it's drag and drop functionality and it's enabling you to get the processes and done that you want to get done without having to have someone from IT do it or someone that knows code in order to make that happen. Got it. So anyone in business operations functions can can use no code. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. So before you started using no code to help get your data organized, how did you approach organizing it? Like, or what, what were some of the challenges, I guess? The biggest thing for me was that before leveraging no code, more specifically, my no-code platform of choice, Bing Tonkin, I didn't trust my data. I constantly and routinely reviewed, cleaned, and manipulated my data and had significantly less confidence in it than I do now. And I would say that it also required a lot more manual intervention. So, you know, that just meant like constant reminders on my calendar uh, on a recurring basis to check certain reports to make sure that the data flowed through properly. And then also having routine reminders to knowing that I had to go in and constantly manipulate that data and clean it and this and that. And so it really took time away from other bigger projects that I could focus on. And a lot of times I was unsure if certain things were possible. So, you know, if when I did get certain requests, I was a lot more hesitant to give the answer of, yes, we can do that. And I was more inclined to say something like, you know, I'm not really sure because XYZ system works that way. And this other system works this way. So I don't know. I don't know if we can pass the data through that way. And so, you know, I was just unsure of a lot of different things. And so I approached organizing and managing my data in a way that revolved around the software and the tech stack that we had, opposed to, you know, what's going to be most scalable for the business and what's going to work best for the people that we have working at Tonkin or whatever company you're at or I was at. That's a really powerful statement that you didn't trust your data. 
And I think it probably resonates with a lot of people in the rev yeah. space listening in. Cause I, I've even yeah. run into that, like in the community ops side of things. Right. And yeah. if you don't trust your data, then what are we even doing? Right. So right. it's a really mm-hmm. powerful statement. How has your approach sort of shifted since you started using no code more? Yeah. So, you know, my approach has to me done a complete 180, if not more. And so, you know, I can now think of acquiring, processing, visualizing and benefiting from my data in a way that I was not able to before. And, you know, my job requires a lot of process driven initiatives and passing data between different systems. And so, as I mentioned, Tonkin, you know, is my no code platform of choice. But since I've started using Tonkin, I'm able to have all of my data at my fingertips. You know, Tonkin has something called matched entities. And if you are familiar with Excel or Google Sheet or whatever, think of that as kind of a universal VLOOKUP that basically allows me to access all of my related data across all of my systems. And then I can easily leverage that data and my workflows all with no code. That being said, I have complete confidence that my data is going to appear in the places that I need it to when I need it to and be digestible and actionable. And I can manipulate my data in a way that I just could not do it before. And before, you know, a lot of steps had to be done manually, like I mentioned earlier. And like I said, I just didn't trust the results. And so, you know, now I can completely automate the way that that data appears in my across my systems that's just way more impactful for the business. And I do think it's important to add, though, that not all no-code platforms are the same. And so, you know, the way that one person might organize or manage or leverage their data in one no-code platform versus the other, you know, might be a little different, but this is how I've approached it with, with my process. Yeah, thank you. That's super helpful. And yeah, I mean, for those listening in, like this is a Tonkin sponsored podcast, like Morgan is works at Tonkin. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about no code. We're talking about Tonkin today. But if this is your first time listening in, normally we have people from other companies talking about these topics. And I just want to be clear, like we're not trying to push the product on anyone. What we're trying to do um, in this conversation is kind of outline the value that no code can give to any operations function. And so, yeah, I just want to make that clear for those listening in. Where do you suggest people start using no code in their operations if they are sort of just starting from scratch? Like someone's listening in and they're like, I don't even know where to start. What process is like a quick win? I would sort of take the approach of thinking of a repetitive task that you're doing that takes up more time than you would like it to. So like, even if it's something that not many people are involved with or not many people really even know about that you you do on a daily or weekly, monthly cadence, whatever it is, but think of something that would really give you time back in your day and would be a quick win for you personally. And I say a quick win for you personally, because 
if it is something that would be a quick win and it's not really necessarily something and it doesn't have to be something that not many people know about. I'm just kind of giving an example of what like a personal quick one would be. You can then have that time back to go work on things that maybe are important to your career growth or, you know, things that like are more impactful for the business at a larger scale. And I think thinking and approaching it that way, when I kind of first started out on my like no code journey was very impactful for me. I started out small and started out with things that I knew just took up time that I could have been, I could have spent working on other things. And the way that that changed my perception of how the impact that no code can just have on our business at a larger scale was just, it's, it's too valuable to like put on paper paper and put on words for me personally. So it just sounds so freeing that, you know, you're able to focus on what you care about and actually grow your career and your skill set because you're able to just get rid of some of those processes that, I mean, we all have them, right? I'm, as you were talking, I was thinking about like five that I have as I was like, shoot, I should use Tonkin to, to resolve or no code in general to resolve that. It could even be something as simple as like updating a Google sheet from another system. I'm sure there are people on this call and, and if there aren't, the amount of manual work that people do that is just so repetitive is mind blowing to me. And I talk to operations folks and I just, it pains me to hear how much time is being spent on, you know, repetitive tasks like that and just how they could be focusing on other things. And I think those quick wins is, are, are what's really going to get you there. Yeah, hundred percent. One question I have is like what you said earlier about having a data dictionary. Like, I'm curious. Like, is this something that you would write out a dictionary for, like an actual process, like a document for? Yeah. So we have a data dictionary that we use here at Tonkin, and it's exactly like what it sounds like. So. We have all of our basic, like, so you kind of start from like, what are your KPIs? What are your key like business metrics, right? And then what are the fields or data points that you have across your different systems that store that data? And so really define, like literally defining on paper what those fields or data points mean and then sort of collaborating with the different, you know, business departments that might be touching that data or might need to digest it and at some point at now or at some point in the future and making sure you're all aligned on those definitions, right? And I say that because you'd be surprised at how different other people may see a data point and what it means to them versus what it means to you. Uh, while it's usually very similar, I've run into that uh, quite, a, quite a bit. So, Okay. Yeah, that's super helpful. And when you talk about this sort of consultative approach, when someone sends in a request to you, what are kind of the steps you take to address 
how you would, you know, say yes, say no, get more information. Um, like there's some people in customer success ops on the call right now. I'm curious, like if you get a request from them, how would you handle that? Yeah, I do. So, you know, revenue operations, uh, cust- at a, at a lot of places and especially Tonkin. So customer success operations falls under, you know, the rev ops umbrella. So it's very much in my wheelhouse and I'm very close, closely tied to it. Um, but when I say take that consultative approach, it's not just a, you know, I get a request and I say yes or no. It's I really take the time to understand why they're asking what they're asking for. And I say that because someone someone may be asking for something that we already have, but they may not know we already have that because their mind may be looking at it in a slightly different way than how I'm looking at it or how the business is looking at it. And so I try to understand, you know, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to show? And how, how, how badly do you need this now? Do you need it now? Do you need it in 10 days? Do you need it in two weeks? And then really trying to explain to them what we already have in place and why I may or may not agree with, you know, whatever it is they're asking for. I don't want to say whether or whether or whether or not I agree, but I try to explain maybe other ways that they can possibly achieve that or why maybe they might want to take a different approach. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, I guess we are out of time here. So thank you, Morgan. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? One way is through joining the Adaptive Ops community, because there is a Slack uh, channel within that community that I'm very active on. Another way is via LinkedIn. You could just look me up. Uh, I work at Tonkin. And then also my email is just morgan at tonkin.com. And I'm happy to geek out on ops with anyone, any day, and no code. So. Awesome. Well, thank you, Morgan. It's it's super helpful to see how you approach organizing data, how you, you know, mold that with no code and how that's benefited your career. So Thank you so much for your time and thanks to everyone for listening in. Of course. Thanks for having me. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 